This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to a Big 12 Media Days edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We're sitting here inside the house that Jerry built, AT&T Stadium. We've got coaches' press conferences going on. It's day one. Kansas State is the start of day two, so we'll have a lot of coverage from down here in Arlington post-K-State being at the podium. But seven schools are going. It's a little crowded down here this year, not only with the number of schools, a lot more media here as the conference increases its size from 10 to 14 for at least one season. Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gilbert to my right, Cole Carmody to my left, and Zach Carlson further left. We're all here. We're all here sharing one room. Well, that's a lie, but that, that just puts a good vision in everyone's head. This we're is sitting one very room. closely. Yeah, good podcasters should put visions into their listeners' heads, and us all sharing one king bed is one that people will never get over. We're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Speaking of visions that you need in your head, get into the fridge, do your thing, which is buying your party essentials in Manhattan, Kansas. Ask questions, look around, an incredible selection. And by the way, I've never really mentioned this and it's way off, but if you don't know about the Fridge's Black Friday rare whiskey sale, people camp out for it. It's unbelievable. There will be people on Thanksgiving camping out in the fridge parking lot to be first in line for their pappy or whatever. There's a lot more football to, to be played before Black Friday, I think, Fitz. <sighs> a lot of football, but we'll be back here for the Big 12 Championship. I am confident of that. Okay. That's that's what I'm bringing to the table. A lot of confidence that Kansas State's going to be good, but we really are, guys, venturing into a whole new world of this conference because, honestly, while UCF was picked for middle of the pack and the other three newcomers were picked for the lower tier of this conference, we really don't know how they're going to fit into this league week in and week out. And that's kind of my thing. And I think Dana Horgerson brought it up because um, he's been around the Big 12. Didn't do so well when he was around the Big 12 with West Virginia. Now he's at Houston coming back into the conference. And he admitted that the week-by-week testing in this conference far exceeds what they've seen in the American And I think that's going to be the biggest shock for the coaches and the players that, hey, there's no weeks off. And he mentioned that, too. There used to be a week off, speaking of Kansas. And now that isn't even true 
you're tested every week. So it's going to be a fun season of football. We'll see where this takes the Kansas State Wildcats. But let's move on to your questions from Wabash Station. This is how it works. If you don't know, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, our subscribers at GoPowerCat, which you should be one of them, get to ask the questions. Everyone gets to listen on this podcast. Make sure you subscribe to GoPowerCat. Make sure you hit up our YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast at any of your favorite podcasting networks, whether that is Apple, Spotify, Amazon. Uh, what am I forgetting? Stitcher. Stitcher. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a... That's a dip. Pod I bean. got him. Pod bean. Okay. Thank you, good. Here's your question from Wabash Station. Ryan Gills Gilbert will try to read words. First question is from Go Youper Cat. We He's all know it. I'm doing it very well. Oh, my gosh. We all know Brett Yormark wants Big 12 events to be flashy and entertaining. Any signs this is rubbing off on media days, or is it the same old event? No, it feels different. They've set this up different. Um, they, they've really brought the, the big-time Wi-Fi. <clears throat> yeah. Um, we'll just say that they've got Conference USA Wi-Fi at this event. It's almost non-workable. That's pretty generous. Yeah, it's it's really more like Division Three Wi-Fi. It's not even scholarships. It's bad. It's bad. But, uh, no, there is a different air to this one. They, they kind of move the furniture around and stuff. But I don't know if we got a question about this. But the biggest, most notable change, subtle, is that it's now a black Big 12 logo, which mm-hmm. I like. Mm-hmm. But, Zach, that's a hell of a rebrand. They put a lot of thought in that, a lot of studies to go, hey, let's let's color it black. They hyped that up way too much. We did find out today, though, they're going to have a new logo in 2024. It's interesting. There'll be so. a new logo next year. I did appreciate uh, your Mark's keynote. It did seem... Are you bumping me up or bumping me down? I bumped you up, man. I feel loud. Oh, what? I, I didn't. No, okay, I'll bump you back down. Sorry about that. I couldn't tell you what you're doing. Okay. Um, I did like your Mark's keynote. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. I think it's funny how he still kind of reads off of a script and, mm-hmm. and isn't. Well, he wants to be on script, literally. Right. He doesn't want to say <laughs> anything. He did bring up they're open for business. You know, yeah. he brought that back up, brought it around. I will have a deep purple on Brett Yormark's comments here. Um, some of them very interesting. Some of them alarm people from Kansas City. But but I, I did like the format of him for an hour. You know, he talked about everything you want to talk about, uh, was interviewed, you know, kind of got got the, the big questions out of the way. And right. then he spoke for probably longer than Bob Bowlesby would do in oh, two absolutely. or three years of answering questions. So he's very open to, to the media and, and answering questions and whether or not you get the answers you want you know i know he wants you know he said i'm not going to get into the specifics of expansion yeah, but he, he tried away <laughs> you from know that. but but at least he addressed it and said yeah we're it's a possibility they're but. looking at it they don't and i this is the power position of the big 12 they don't have to expand this 12 is going to be really comfortable and strong and has a good tv media rights deal in its back pocket so now they're in a position where can to use the Brett Yormark word, find additive things to bring to the table, um, which, you know, would probably be some Pac-12 schools to open up that late time slot better. How about the commercial? 
I mean, that's something oh. we got to talk about too. And we got to see it twice. We did get to see it twice. I thought that was pretty cool when he said, "Hey, let's run that commercial back," almost to tell the media members, "Hey, record this on your phone so you can post it wherever you do your reporting." Now, um, we've always been greater than twelve is the tagline. I don't know if that's something that they're going to keep. I think it's kind of cool. At least for this year. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool video. It was it's really cool, well and so I really like that. Um, again, I think kind of what you talked about I felt like I told Fitz this but I felt like I was like sitting in a college classroom the way your mark was walking around the stage and and they had slides up there and as soon as he got done with one point he was on to the next one it was like Tim Cook it, what's the next yeah. iPhone yeah I, I kind of liked yeah, it, it but did. I I thought the second time I thought he was going to play a slightly different video and I thought he was going to announce expansion it would have completely derailed his keynote right <laughs> but I thought it was going to be like and to the to the old teams and the new four teams and the next four teams and then just announce the next four teams and just completely I'm, blow it up. Yeah, of course, you guys, anyone who's following our coverage, I'll get into a lot of that later on. But um, I'm fascinated by his approach, and he's kind. Of, I sense he's kind of like, hey, I'm not going to beg you. You got to earn a spot here, right. and I love that. For people like us that didn't have really anything to do until tomorrow when K-State goes, your mark at least made it worth our while. Right. Up on the front for, like you said, Zach, an hour. So. Yep, very good stuff. Um, Again, I think the Big 12 um, has the right commissioner for the right moment. I ran into an old colleague that, well, it's Tim Weiser. I ran into Tim Weiser. Uh, He said he's fascinating to work with. He is in perpetual motion. And he's this is something I greatly appreciate, and I talked to Tim specifically about this. I'm from a creative background, and if you go into a creative meeting, there isn't a bad idea. Nobody's shy to, nobody should be shy to put their idea out on the table. All ideas aren't good, but they're worthy of discussion. And he admits that he comes up with, being Commissioner Gormer, comes up with some dandies that everyone's like, oh, no, we, we can't do that. He wouldn't give me specifics. But he did say things like, the combine the the big 12 pro day that they're going to have down here they all looked at each other like why didn't we ever think of that when you stop and think of the context of the nfl combine and how important it is and what a big deal it is i think every major conference will have one of those in the near future i think what makes brett yormark great is his ideas but he's creating things that provide value to the television partners i don't think that Fox and ESPN re-up if they don't have, and, and granted, the pro day, it's going to be on NFL Network, but stuff like that, you know, let's go to Mexico and have some games. Let's. Right. I think that Brett Yormark sees, and, and he mentioned this, he comes from, from kind of the pro background, and, you know, these pro leagues, they're going to Europe, they're going to Mexico, they're going outside of the country to play games. And in the college game, you might see it a little bit in non-conference, but never really taking conference games and at least trying to establish a footprint of we need to establish ourselves as universities and academic and athletic institutions outside of the United States. I think it's a brilliant move, and I think it's one that will pay off. But I, like, I, just, I love how forward-thinking he is, and he's bringing ideas to the table that they aren't terribly crazy, but no one else in college sports is doing them. Some people see the Big 12 Mexico play as being crazy. I think it's crazy brilliant. Um, he talked about their rights holders are going to have some games on their Spanish language platforms. Love it. Um, but to add one thing 
uh, a little correction. The Big Ten did play Northwestern <laughs> in Nebraska in Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. And which is fitting because since they uh, the Huskers left the Big 12, they've been doubling their loss totals. Hey, uh, just another note to Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. So you don't end on that terrible joke? Yeah. Fitzgerald? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Well, that was also his last win as a coach. Was yeah, in Dublin. that's good. That's good. So that is fitting um, in Fitzgerald land. Yes, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be talking about the the Go Park at Hazing that goes on, <laughs> and we're going to stop that. <laughs> Apparently, you can't do that anymore. So I apologize for all that stuff. Don't worry, I've talked to the Collegian. They're coming for you, Fitz. <laughs> <laughs> From that's a big threat. <laughs> Contra Cat, what position needs to improve the most to keep this team competing for a championship? Defensive line. De- that interior defensive line. Look, if you if you look at why, excuse me, I said Nebraska, Texas competed with Alabama better than Kansas State. It was at the point of attack, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that Eli Huggins and those guys weren't really great players in the Big Twelve. But those dudes in the upper tier—I'm not saying the SEC, the upper tier of the SEC. And I'm going to include Texas in that athletic tier. They're different. The draft shows it. The size and speed of those guys shows it. That's a matchup problem for Kansas State to get to the next level. The hardest position to recruit in college football is defensive nose tackle or defensive tackle. There's not enough guys that can play at that elite level, and that is one of the reasons why you see Alabama and Georgia constantly being at the highest levels because they get the guys that will just move right into the NFL draft. Texas gets those guys too, but they're just such a poorly directed program. They can't get over the hump. But for me, that's why Kansas State has now gone from beating Texas to losing Texas is that sheer size athleticism combination that is hard to find. I think Uso is... Uso Sayamalo is when we look at the nose guard position for K-State, I don't think he's that far away from being a game changer. Agree. I mean, he's still pretty raw. Like, I, folks may not realize this, but he's played one year of high school football. And he played basically a year and a half at Garden City. Right. I mean, even when he was a sophomore and K-State recruited him, he wasn't even the starter. He did not even start at Garden City before he came to Kansas State. So he's still learning that position, but I don't think there is a better coach on this roster for him than Mike Tuiasasopo. Totally agree. So I think Uso has the ability to maybe impact a game a little bit more than Eli Huggins did. I'm not saying that Eli Huggins, um, or excuse me, I'm not saying Uso is better than Eli Huggins, but Eli Huggins was dependable. He was solid. You knew what you were going to get from him every single game. I'm not sure what you're going to get from Uso. He might have a game where he's pretty terrible, but he also has that potential to just completely wreck and impact a game. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But I, I really like him as a player. It's going to be the depth behind him. Yeah, I agree. That's a big concern for me. I agree with you guys, but I'm going to say running back. And granted, you know, DJ Giddens was on the team. You get Trayshawn Ward from Florida State. You know, you should be, at least on paper, in pretty good hands. But you lose Deuce Vaughn. You have a lot to prove there. I don't know if there's improvement that's needed, but you have some replacing to do. And I think that running back, it's a key position that K-State's going to have to answer some questions at in 2023 if they're going to go back and win another championship. Again, I hate to keep raving about Texas, but last year they had NFL-level running backs that just wouldn't be efficient. Dutes 
was incredibly efficient. They would demoralize you when they were in the group. They they did it to K-State, they did it to other programs, but again, coaching prevented them from reaching their highest levels because they had other games where they forgot that they had NFL running backs and threw the ball horribly. I can't believe nobody mentioned wide receivers. It's got to get there, but I don't think... I, I think an improvement at wide receiver will make them a better program, absolutely. But to get to the national title level, maybe you're okay. right. Maybe maybe having that true NFL 6'3 explosive receiver would be the difference, would would help them. That's certainly a spot where they, they are not as deep and talented as they need to be. I think in order in order to get to that next level, you're only as good as your interior front. But right now, I am fully confident in saying K-State has one half of that done. And it doesn't matter. Really, it doesn't matter. The individual players on that offensive line, Connor Riley is going to have that group ready to go no matter what. So every year, you are going to have the talent advantage over your opponent on the trenches for the most part. right? Not Maybe not every single game, but on a consistent basis, 85% of the time, you will have that matchup advantage on the interior offensive line. It's going to be a matter of, I agree with you, Fitz, how can you develop those Felix and UDK Uzamas? How can you develop, you know, some of those interior guys? That's going to push you over to the next level. And, you know, King Felix is another example. Incredible, impactful D1 defensive end. But actually, in the reality of things, a little bit undersized. Are you hearing birds? Singing? I just heard it. Okay, I'm not losing my mind. I heard We're inside, folks, but the birds are singing. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, it w- for Kansas State, Let's be really honest here. You know I am. They've had to compromise on certain standards of performance or size or athleticism. And they've done, under multiple coaching staffs now, a great job of emphasizing the strengths of a Deuce Vaughn. But there were drawbacks to a Deuce Vaughn. Felix Anudiki Uzama. But there were some drawbacks at times to having a, a, you know, your main defensive end not being... 275 in a three-man front, which is ideal. So Wally pointed this out on the boards that Cooper Beebe was on 810 Radio in Kansas City. And Cole, to back up your point about the offensive line, I don't think there's much improvement there to be made because that's already a really good group. But if that good, if that group, excuse me, goes from good to elite, you know, maybe that can really elevate the roster because Cooper said about you know rather than keeping it generic they can start throwing things at other teams and ramping some stuff up so as far as the question goes there's not much improvement there but that can be a group that can win games for K-State enough that's great stuff from Ohio Powercat who has a bigger impact between Brendan Mott Nate Matlack Khalid Duke Khalid Duke Mm -hmm. I just feel like Khalid he's healthy and he's back home at defensive end and he's going to thrive. And I, I bring that up because the other two guys, we've seen better samplings of what they could do. Nate Matlack um, struggled with injuries all year. I think we'll see him be better. Brendan Mott has been a revelation. Just, just you, we didn't see that coming. No, none of us no. did. Um, and but Khalid Duke, uh, he's got he's got a little more of the the power to him. He's a little bit more. He's not as long as and bendy. 
but I, I think he'll be a real force at the end. Am I crazy for thinking that Nate Matlack is going to start over Brendan Mont? Because I think right now you don't move no. to Khalid Duke to defensive end. You don't move to Khalid Duke to defensive end unless you are sure that he's going to be the starter day one. Right. And I think when when healthy, Nate Matlack is a better football player than Brendan Mont. And that's a good Absolutely. luxury to have because Brendan Mont obviously performed extremely well last season. I think somebody brought this up on the boards, but he's like the the leading uh, tied as the leading returning sack man. Um, in the Big 12, which is kind of crazy to think about. He had six sacks last year, so Amazing. it's not very too surprising. Um, but, yeah, I think Nate Matlack is going to be one of those guys that people forget about, that people have forgotten about, but he has an opportunity to really have an outstanding year because when healthy, he is an amazing pass rusher. Being able to rotate those three dudes through those two spots and throw all three of them in on short on pass rush, mm-hmm. not short yards, pass rush situations, it could be really fun to watch. I think just moving Duke back, it gives you, you know, that third guy. You look at the the first two with Mont and Matlack, you're like, okay, we had this last year. It's going to be okay if that's your two guys, but you throw Duke into the mix, I mean, it's an X factor there. I also believe truly that there's a lot of great safeties in this conference, and Kobe Savage will be all Big 12 first team. Mm -hmm. If he stays healthy, I think people are going to go, who the hell is that guy? If he does what he did at times last season before the injury throughout the Big 12 schedule. Well, you know what, Fitz? You're replacing a king with a duke. Oh, very good. I like it. Wow. Podcast is over. (laughs) (laughs) From Kane Ed, last question of the first half. What concerns, if any, do you have with our defensive coordinators getting an entire offseason to study the Klein-Howard offense, find trends and weaknesses, etc., as well as Howard being the defense's focal point this year? Is adjusting to the adjustments a main storyline for the offense? Agreed. Um, but I think the absence of Deuce Vaughn will change some enough stuff that will, that will just prove to, uh, a lot of that prep useless. And I, I sense uh, Colin Klein likes to steal, likes to get out there and find stuff. If there's one area I'm concerned will be Ben Sennett isn't sneaking up on people anymore. Mm-hmm. He's going to find himself bracketed on occasion. Again, going back to Gills's point about the level of receivers and the struggles that they could have, um, they've got to have someone step forward to be a receiver that they really have, defenses really have to worry about. So it does concern me what happens with Ben Sennett because he's, guys, he's a weapon, and now everyone knows it, and they know how they use him at the goal line. Does that stuff still work? You know, kind of like Travis Kelsey, we know it's coming, we just can't stop it. And that's, that's really the big question with the talent. Football at times can just be a copycat game, right? Yeah, so absolutely. things are things are going to happen for Colin Klein where he's like, okay, I just need to do this. And same thing can be said vice versa. But, I mean, yeah, k you do bring up a good point. But at the end of the day, it is, you know, football is football, as Kleiman says. I think the oh. offensive line masks a lot of the, of the question marks. Right. Right? Like, you might have these question marks of what can DJ Giddens do? What can Treshawn Ward do? Well, when you put five returners up there, five guys who, I mean, if you really want to go one by one and make an argument, have an opportunity to be first or second, you know, first or second all Big 12 by the time the season's over, um, those guys can make up for a lot of mistakes. And so it doesn't matter what defenses do if they can't get to the quarterback. And I think that that's kind of the case with Colin Klein's offense right now and that offensive line. 
I, I don't think it matters much for defensive coordinators to have a whole summer to look back at what they did last year because after three or four games, how much of what you see on film compares to last year? Right. Like, like is Texas really watching K-State film right now and saying, okay, we got to prepare for this on in November? I, I just don't think so. I think that, you know, maybe for the first couple games, but, like, you know, I don't think K-State's going to necessarily – struggle with SEMO or Troy or Mizzou you know and those are the games that you'd look back and watch some film from last year but you know come the UCF game I don't think that there's going to be a lot of knowledge gained from other teams based on what they watched from last year. The the approach of coaches we're, we're into a new era and the Bill Snyders of the world were in the offseason, they did watch film and watch film and watch film. I mean, I've had assistant coaches tell me they had to turn in reports at the end of the spring on what, how they want to scheme every opponent. And then they did it again in the summer. And then they had to have it ready like two weeks out. I, it was just crazy how much preparation of watching film took place. And while that still absolutely takes place, I think a lot of that preparation now is in the more vague analytics not necessarily is who's going to get the ball on this play but what do they run consistently what do they do do they how often do they go deep on short yardage how often do they run the ball or throw the ball i think so much is now bent to analytics that really it's a it's kind of figuring out their tendencies as coordinators more than the actual talent that's around and maybe that's what k ned's asking about does he have some underlying things that he does and it might be throwing it to Ben Sennett, might be throwing it to Deuce Vaughn, might be throwing it to DJ Giddens. But it's there. It's what he does. Uh, and the the cool thing about that is scouting other teams through analytics is the coach isn't conscious that he's doing that. And that's the beauty of it. You kind of learn things about them that they don't even know they're doing. Uh, before we go to break, I would just like to point out that Mike Gundy has a gray beard now. And the mullet's back to go with the mullet mullet's back a uh, true story um a couple years ago at this event we were actually at the ford center the cowboys training facility uh, i was using the restroom and mike gundy walked in next to me and i found myself staring at his mullet with a real urge to just reach out and touch his mullet while we were peeing i resisted i'm still alive and i'm still allowed to cover the big 12 media days that's why I'm here. That's why they're here, because I didn't pet the mullet. We'll be back after this break. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Big 12 Media Days version of the Power Cat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor right there in Manhattan, Kansas. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gilbert, who is offering up 
his interpretations of your questions very theatrically throughout this podcast. You should see his emotions that you can't see on a podcast. It's beautiful. Okay, there's a bird loose in here. And um, uh, we're uh, having a great time not working very hard on this first day because tomorrow K-State starts. Thankfully, they're the first one, so we'll have climbing up. But the players all go very late in the day, and it's going to be rather hectic um, because we are also driving home, the three of us. We're going to leave Zach behind to do Zach things. We don't want to know. Just do Zach things, uh, and we will head back in the, the Go Powercat ride to Manhattan, Kansas, and I'm hoping not to drive very much. Okay. I mean, you guys drove it down. Well, you drove it down. Yep. We go where it just, did you just, like, nap the entire ride down? I napped for, like, five minutes, mm. and then I was awake for the rest of the ride. You know what's funny? If Cole drove all the way down, he was checking snap more than Gills was. I'm sorry? So I don't I don't have headphones in, so I really can't hear what you're oh, saying. Uh, Cole said uh, Cole would open Snapchat and pop up on the maps okay. more than you did. Okay. So I thought that you were driving. No, Cole's on his mm, phone. So I was while trying driving. to figure out where you guys were. Makes me feel good about hmm. the trip down that I wasn't part of. Yeah, I don't I don't I think that's fake news. I don't think it was fake news. <laughs> I should have screenshotted it. Hmm. Now, guys, I have not hit a Bucky's yet. You hit a Bucky's, Zach. Yeah. Did you guys? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so three out of the four have hit a Bucky's. Um, you know, in my my time on TikTok, <clears throat> my, my, one of my favorite TikToks to appear lately was a woman filming a beaver, <laughs> literally taking down a tree. Uh, you know, a tree that's probably like nine inches in diameter or across. Uh, it's a pretty big tree hanging out over a river and it's chewing through. It's about halfway through, and she goes, "Look, it's a beaver." And then she turns her camera. And she's in a Bucky's parking lot. It's the greatest thing ever. A beaver was working at Bucky's. Well, huh. adjacent. It's the, anyhow, let's go back to the podcast. Thank you to the fridge for their sponsorship. Gills, take it away. From Cat in Colorado, tampering in the transfer portal, portal for both football and basketball <clears throat> seems like a hot topic. Yep. Is this an issue that should be addressed at Big 12 Media Days, or will both the media and coaches steer clear? That's a good question. Well, this is an NCAA thing. It doesn't matter what the media asks or the coaches do. Or Again, if you post the speed limit at 75 miles per hour, but you never enforce it, people are going to go 100. You mean driving in Texas? Right. I mean, if you set a rule, but you don't enforce it, then it's not a rule. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just becomes chaos. Uh, you can't just ignore things and expect people to be good people and follow it because everyone's looking to get ahead. The tampering in the portal is epic. And I often thought it was coaches contacting on the basketball front, AU coaches that aren't directly talking to the player. We're hearing of massive amounts of just flat out texting players. Mm -hmm. We want you to transfer here. Guys, until the NCAA asserts itself, and its role in this, this is going to go on, and this is at their feet. They lost a court decision over the NIL and have been pouting like small children ever since. They're incapable of doing their job, and it's why I think we've all come to accept that the NCAA will be defunct here pretty soon. It will be gone pretty soon, simply because even the members are gonna recognize, hey, we're getting ahead by cheating, but let, you know, hey, we. We should probably have some rules because it's also hurting us. 
Uh, I, I just don't even understand what the NCAA is doing. You lost a court case, and you lost it not just because you, it was a bad break. You, didn't never, you never had the right to take away a person's ability to profit from them, themselves, their, their name, image, and likeness. And to believe that you did have that ability was absurd, was absolutely idiotic. The thing that I don't understand about this is I feel like this tampering happens so much more often in basketball. And maybe it's just because the portal is that much more wide open in basketball and it feels like kids transfer in and out more regularly. But in football, I feel like once you are involved in that program, you're transferring for a reason, right? Like, it's not surprising when a kid leaves a program. It's going to be because, A, they're not getting enough playing time, or B, they didn't have the success, or C, they just flat out got told to leave. I feel like in, in football there's very um, there's not as much tampering, at least that goes on in the immediate circle around the Big 12 Conference from what we cover. Maybe it happens more at the SEC level, but I feel like at the basket, for the basket, on the basketball front it happens a lot more. And, you know, as far as media days goes, I don't know. Like if you ask Chris Kleiman, what do you think about tampering that's going on around the NCAA? I really don't know what he would think. I know he would, wouldn't probably answer that question here, but if you got him one-on-one off the record, I'd be curious what he would say. I really do. Agreed. I want to point something out. Something unique just happened that I've never seen at this event before. Now, they've always had the kid reporters here. Uh, This year, they've put them up on a stage with the Old Trapper, the the backdrop. Old Trapper is the sponsor of this event, and the kids get to to interview players. And the players have been there in their suits or whatever their outfits are. The BYU dude just came out in uniform. It's awesome. But no, look behind it, where they've got all the beef jerky at. The West Virginia Mountaineer is talking to the old trapper. They're, they are just networking right now. He was showing him the musket. Yep. That's, that's my friend, by the way. That's, you guys met that guy. I have him. a picture with the West Virginia Mountaineer on my phone. After midnight in a bar. And in I'm, I'm going to just say it, I, and I've got a man crush on the old trapper guy. What a job. You walk around. In a coonskin hat, right? And dressed in leather. Like, you look like you just climbed off the mountain, and the dude looks legit. Let's be honest here. This year's Mountaineer mascot is a little um, less... Hey. That's my guy. Look, last year they had the female Mountaineer, which was awesome. This one doesn't stand up to her. I'm just saying. He's fine. No, whatever. We lo- the old Gills and I guy, like him. The old Stamp trapper guy. Prover. Uh, I bet you when the mountaineer turns around, he's going to have a little pee stain from being hovered over by the old trapper guy <laughs> who smells like beef jerky, like seasoned meat. <laughs> okay, let's real. move on. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Okay, yeah. From Denland, 0809. That is my favorite European country. Uh, Den- May I continue? Den- Denland. If K-State consistently finishes top four in the Big 12, how many more years before Joe Klanderman and Colin Klein leave for other jobs? Uh, I want to. I don't think it matters what the team does. It's about offense and defense more anything sure. for these two coaches. Right. What are the needs of college football teams around the country, and do they like what K-State has done, and do they have more money than K-State? Right. Those are the answers, I think. We are in a trend of hiring young offensive minds. If Colin Klein 
Jets offense puts up impressive numbers post Deuce Vaughn, the next offer from a program is going to be significant. Notre Dame was a good offer, a better offer than in terms of financial things, um, but it wasn't enough to drag him away from home. The next offer will be a harder decision. And someone might just jump over that and say, hey, we're a Mountain West program. We're, you know, I think that's the best fit for him being a Colorado guy. That's the next young head coach. I think he's, and I honestly think he's close to being ready for that. Not quite, but a year more seasoning. Speaking of old trapper, um, I think he'll be ready. And uh, Joe Klanderman, I am fascinated by the lack of attention he gets despite this defense being very productive eventually people will come around on that and maybe it is if you look at his overall resume remember this is his first fbs job i believe Mm -hmm. and now he's the coordinator maybe they'd want to see a little bit more from him but again we're in a phase of hiring offensive minds that will change, and maybe it will change because of Chris Kleiman. If he does that, what you just laid out, they keep going to the championship game or contending for the championship game and win some titles, they'll go, hey, he's a defensive guy, and that's working. And maybe that trend will come back around to defense like Bob Stoops did that when he had the success, success at Oklahoma. Joe Klanderman is also a first-time defensive coordinator. Right. He was not the defensive coordinator at North Dakota State. So th- he's still trying to figure that aspect, aspect out as well. I don't know what that I don't know what word that was. <laughs> trying to figure something else out. Yeah. Rear end out. No. Oh, who is this now? Oh, God. Okay. Okay, everyone. Sark is Sark coming is, up. He's, up. He's, he's currently punching a security guard. It's okay. It's Sark. Oh, he brought wine with him. He's got some wine. Next question is from a yep. Texas media member. How does Texas leaving the conference impact Colin Klein's legacy? <laughs> Folks, these, these, uh, it's unbelievable how much these Texas and Oklahoma people want to talk about how will life be like without us. Yeah. It's just sickening. It's pathetic, actually. Better, more enjoyable. Yeah. Back to the question. Yes. And I, I think that Colin Klein's next offer is going to be a head coach. I hope so. If K-State does what they did last year in 2023, I think he's probably going to get a Power 5 offer. Mm, I will will say it because if Notre Dame is willing to come out and make you the offensive coordinator, which is probably a top 15 offensive coordinator job, surely someone, you know, let's, I mean, if he's qualified for that job, I think that after a year or two at Notre Dame, he's qualified for probably any head coaching right. job in the country is, is kind of the setup there. If he's good enough for that, I think after one more year, if he puts similar results on the table, I think there's absolutely power five teams. I that saw would come after a ridiculous him. story, you know, is would Northwestern now with their opening come after Chris Kleiman or Lance Leipold or who was the third one they mentioned? Another successful coach or, you know, over the span of their career or at the school. And I'm like, no. That, I know that the media thinks, oh, it's a Big Ten job. It's superior to all of the jobs other than the SEC. That's not true. And I think a guy like Colin Klein would be ideal for that job. I'm su- assuming they're going to go interim for the year. Yeah. Um, would be ideal if he has another great year because 
his personality and his personal convictions would be so anti what has just taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, while being a great football coach and a great mind who just is coming from a program that has always had not not as much and been able to overcome it. Do you think Jerome Tank can coach football? Jerome Tank can coach anything. I really believe that. <laughs> he, he'd surround himself by good coaches and just, you know, he's just a leader. I will say with Colin Klein, there might be a few jobs in the Big 12 that um, – might be interested in him, specifically a school down south that's just now joining the conference. They have a long-time Big 12 coach as their head coach. If he's not successful this year, maybe they take a gander at somebody who spent a lot, even longer time in the Big 12 and Colin Klein. Good point. Next question from our good friend Jerome Yang. Mm. What did the basketball staff learn from the Wagey Toussaint fiasco, and how will they do things differently going forward? Uh, I... This is not the first time they've kind of got themselves in the getting out over their skis, to use that metaphor or cliche, where they got ahead of themselves with tweeting, you know, whatever their tweets are. Cat signal. Yeah, they all kind of have their own thing. Um, they got, they've got they got to make sure, the kid, you know, let the kid announce it. Because until the kid says it publicly, it's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, kids will tell you anything, a coach will tell you anything, people will tell you anything, but until they say it to everyone, it's not happening. And I hope they learn from that. Uh, but um, I, I love their enthusiasm. And they truly thought they had them, but in recruiting at any point, but certainly in the age of NIL, it ain't over till it's over because that kid now has leverage to call up, let's say, Texas Tech, hypothetically speaking, <laughs> and say, this is what they're offering, and I'm going to commit to them. What do you got? A smart kid would do that in this era. And they answered in a way that made a change of heart. Alabama, of course, Alabama seems to be leveraging the NIL better in basketball than they do in football, which is fascinating. Strange. But, yeah. I feel like it, they don't need it as much in football. Yeah. No, you're right. And, you know, it's an old-school coach. We talked about that earlier in the podcast, how coaching's changed. Nick Saban's still doing things the way he's done it, and that includes not offering loads of money to young men to come play football and disrupt his locker room potentially. That's kind of what Jerome Tang wants to do at K-State. You know, you don't need to necessarily get all the NIL money in the world because you're going to come to K-State and we're going to put you in the NBA. Right. So don't focus on the NIL, focus on the NBA. It's like Nick Saban, don't focus on the NIL, focus on the NFL. So, yeah, I, I, it's strange how Alabama has that dynamic for basketball, though. And I, want, I just want to point out that Chris Kleiman and Jerome Tang both have the approach that if that NIL is important to you, you're not important to us. Not because we won't offer NIL, that, I mean, Kansas State's actually making some progress in that. I think we're seeing that in football recruiting. But if that's your motivation, give me a buck, you're not going to fit in here. That's not what we want in our locker room. A me, me, me attitude, what's in it for me, is not going to work in either of these programs. At a Kansas State, if you go down that road and you fracture your locker room, you're going to fail. At Texas, you can have a fractured locker room, but you have so much talent, you go eight and four, and everyone you know, thinks you're still not back. I, you just can't survive at a Kansas State and have that kind of locker room where the NIL is interfering in. Yeah, Fitz, you nailed it. And K-State, you know, Jerome Tang, the staff probably learned not to get ahead of themselves 
with you know posting stuff on Twitter, what have you. But I, I don't think they learned anything as far as somebody going elsewhere for NIL. That's been Jerome Tank's backbone ever since he took over, that he does not want to get into bidding wars with other schools. You know, if NIL is what truly matters for a player, you know, what K-State can offer is what K-State can offer. And they're not going to be willing to just get into a war just to win a player over. And so, you know, I'm sure on, on the social media front, maybe they learned something, but this wasn't, you know, remember Antoine Davis last year, that's maybe a little bit apples to oranges in a way, but is it fair to say that the staff got played a little bit by Davis last year? Probably. Yeah, so I think they've, they didn't learn really anything new on the recruiting trail with these two guys committing elsewhere. Agree. I, uh, again, it, it it's one of those situations, almost like a breakup. Like, once you find out more about the person, you're like, well, I'm comfortable with this. Yeah. This didn't happen. Um, and, and that's kind of how they've approached it. Oh, the NIL was that important to you that just a little bit extra money made you switch schools. That's all you wanted after all. Then it really wasn't a good fit and might have been disruptive. I think Kansas State really benefited last year by not letting that be a big part of the discussion and they'll continue down that road will they get someone else they want to i don't know but they're not going to do something that will disrupt that locker room it is that important to this program last question going off of that fits from tn cat will jerome tang fill the last two scholarship slots before the team leaves for their foreign trip you what do you think yeah they'll fill them now will they be Will they play at all? Who knows? But at very least, they'll get two guys that are red, red shirt. You know, take a flyer on a guy with high upside and, you know, very much similar to Anthony Thomas. If it works out, great. If not, there's no hard feelings. We were discussing a, a local player that they really don't have interest in who, who might be reclassifying to 24. I can see them with their connections into the AAU world of finding the kid that reclassified that they're going to say, look, you don't, you could take a year and go to prep school, but we're going to offer you right now, and you're going to come redshirt here and develop playing this kind of talent, mm. not that kind of talent. And I, I think that might be where they end up is, yeah, is again, take, taking a kid that is not planning to be a 23 recruit and saying, you, you don't, you're graduated from high school. You don't need a prep school. You need to play against Big 12 competition and practice every day. What will be interesting to see is if uh, they decide to maybe change their opinion on some of these incoming freshmen. You know, between Day Day and RJ and McCaleb, are they going to say, hey, the original plan was to redshirt you, but maybe now you're going to play, right? Because Ryan and I were talking about this on the way down, but if the plan is to redshirt them, that leaves them with a rotation of eight, correct? they have 11 scholarship players mm-hmm. right now so do you really feel comfortable going into the season with only eight rotational pieces eh, maybe maybe not so maybe you're right Ryan maybe they do decide to m- maybe take some projects but say hey you know what McCaleb we were going to redshirt you but we need some more power in the post so you're going to you know see some minutes this year it'll be it'll be fascinating to watch yeah and it sounds like day day is probably going to be the best freshman or at least the best freshman in 2023 you know that guy that's ready to play power five basketball and I, I believe the staff is comfortable with him playing about 15 minutes a game and you know complimenting a Tyler Perry whoever that guard may be <clears throat> and so if it becomes more than just 15 minutes a game or something for these freshmen I think Tang is 
I mean, if it, if worse comes to worse, I'll have to do that. But I can tell you that's not what they want to do with these freshmen. They want to ease them in. I mean, we saw that with Dorian Finisher last mm-hmm. year, right? He played for the first six games or so, and maybe he looked a little out of place, but he wasn't awful by any means. But they decided to redshirt him, right? They right. want these guys to be, uh, you know, uh, What's the word? They, seasoned. Sure. That's yeah. a, Fitz, that's a really good word. Yeah, it's, a, it's an old trapper word. <laughs> they have a very holistic approach. There, yeah. Yes, Coach Lightball. Don't throw them into the fire. Don't yeah. give them what they can't handle. You know, and I'm sure you know football has a little bit of a different take on that with the pandemic season where Kleiman just said, hey, everybody, you're getting playing time. I think Tang wants to ease guys into it a little bit more. I agree. I agree with all that. Are we done? Is that it? Are we going to sit around tonight and eat old trapper beef jerky and – Wow, what a what a time that'll be! I can't see the Miller Light sign because the the stage is in my way, but that might be in our future later. Oh. Looks like they're opening up a bar behind us. I did see that. It's like a oh Topo Chico hard we, seltzer. Well, so the Big there. Twelve tournament did that after. Oh yes, uh, folks, oh, we right. gotta go. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a Big Twelve like media reception here on the field after today, but again, it shows a fundamental fundamental misunderstanding of what we're here to do. While we enjoy the alcohol, right the moment this event ends in terms of interviews, the work begins quite often. You don't have time to go drinking, uh, but it really doesn't matter if you don't have Wi-Fi. You're just sitting around staring. This podcast will be posted from our hotel. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.